Well, listen, uh, where, wherever you're tuning in from, go ahead and put your name and location in the chat. We'd love to say hello to you. Our online team is there uh, waiting and excited and willing to serve you. And, uh, and we're just so excited for what God is doing in this series. Now, for those of you guys who are new, we'd like to say welcome home and make yourself at home. My name is Matt. My wife, Jack, and I were the lead pastors here at Fountain Church. And uh, can I just tell you, it is such an honor uh, that we get to do this. Um, we love you guys so much. And, uh, and we've been in this series entitled Church in the Wild. Now, before we jump into that, we got our Fellowship Church family in the house today. Can we just give some love for our Fellowship Church family? I, I had to just show some love and some honor. We love you guys so much. Uh, but we've been in this series called Church in the Wild. And the last couple of weeks, if you missed it, you can catch it on YouTube. You can go back and, and listen to it. But, but how many of you guys know we're living in a little bit of a wild time? It's been a little bit crazy, hasn't it? So many different things changing and shifting on a regular basis. And if we're not careful, we can easily get distracted. And how many of you guys know you watch Animal Planet, you watch Discovery. If you see an animal in the wild get distracted, it can be deadly. Are you guys tracking with me? And, and, and I think in the same way, distraction can kill you if you're not careful. And so I, I want to talk to you a little bit around this idea of distraction and devotion. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. I pray, God, that you would speak to us in a real way today. Lord, we're not here to play church. We're, we're here, God, because we need to hear from heaven. And so, God, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, everything that we need to pay attention to, everything that we need to lean into, just give us eyes to see and, and Lord, uh, ears to hear what you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Amen. So distraction has the potential to kill you. And I, I think we get a, a great visual of this when it comes to lions in the wild. Now, now when you see lions in the wild, you're always going to see them attack their prey from behind. Or, or they're, they're going to look for an opportunity where the prey is distracted. So, so as, as you're just, just pay attention. Like as you go on television or you, you Google it or whatever the case may be, you're going to see that lions, they, they never get very far away from their prey. You'll, you'll see them creeping in the brush, and they, they need to get close, and so they're dependent on distraction because their hearts are small, their lungs are small, so they can only run about 100 to 200 meters um, before they get winded. And so they, they need a quick attack, and they need to make sure that their prey is distracted because the lion's tactic, you would think that they would be some of the greatest hunters, and they are kind of. Because a lion hunting in the daytime, the average kill, the average kill for a lion is only 17 to 19%. Like, that's not a lot. And so, so lions, they depend on distraction, and they hunt a lot better at night. They love to catch their prey in the dark. How many of you guys know it's a little bit easier to be distracted in the dark? It's, it's really easy to, to lose your footing. They look for the isolated they look for the one that maybe has gotten away from the pack or the herd. They look for the one that's by itself. And it's a whole lot easier for the lion to attack. You can see how close a lion can get to a deer in the dark. That's pretty crazy. That's really close. Without the deer even having, I mean, you can see the deer is not in a posture of running. The deer is in a posture of walking and about to get slaughtered, right? Distraction can kill you. And I'm reminded of what Peter said. Peter tells us this. He says that the enemy roars or roams around like a, a prowling lion seeking whom he may devour. Now listen, if you grew up in church for any amount of time, you hear that passage. It's so easy. That familiar passage just starts to lose depth and meaning because we heard it so much 
It's like, yeah, yeah, the enemy rolls around, but that's real. And he's looking for the distracted. He's looking for those that, that have lost their way. How many of you guys know in the dark, it's so much easier for the enemy to get you in darkness? Like, like if he can catch you in a moment when you're walking in darkness, it's so much easier. Ever walk around your house and you're walking around and it's nighttime? Maybe you just turned off the lights. Some of you guys still get scared a little bit, right? You shut that like garage door, your bedroom door, the kitchen door, whatever the case may be, and, and you kind of make that little, like that little run because you're, you're nervous, you're not sure, it feels like the darkness is going to get you somehow. Like, like I remember when I was a kid, running up the stairs was the worst. We had a townhome, and I would turn off the light, and, but I was like a thug, so it was, it was like I got up to the stairs like, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. And, and so the, the dark can be very vulnerable. It, it's easy to lose your footing. It's easy to get disoriented. It's easy to get distracted. And, and so, so listen, distraction can kill you. It's dangerous. But how many of you guys know we love distraction? Like we, we love distraction. I, I love what Blaise Pascal said. Blaise Pascal was a philosopher. And he said, distraction is the only thing that consoles us for miseries. And yet it is itself the greatest of our miseries. It's like on one hand, we love it, right? Especially when we're struggling or we're facing some opposition or there's some things that we want to evade that we don't want to deal with, some pain, some wounds that we don't want to touch, some things that we'd rather avoid. Man, it's so great to put on a movie, isn't it? A good movie, and it just takes you out of the zone. And I'm all for a good movie. Like, I love watching a good movie, but how many of you guys know, we know when it's excessive, right? We know when it's next episode, next episode. Next episode. Man, it's going by itself. Next episode, right? We know when the binge is really not a binge because we're engaged. The binge is really a binge because we're distracted. And we, we, we need something to, to take our mind off of it. And so, so we love distraction, but at the very same time, we hate it because it keeps us from the life that we really want. So it's like on one hand, we love it. On the other hand, we're like, I hate this. We hate the fruit of distraction. We like it in the moment, but we don't like the fruit of it. And so we find ourselves wrestling in this tension of distraction. I think the, the truth of the matter is all of us have suffered at some level because we were distracted. I think all of us have had moments where our relationships have suffered because we've been distracted. Maybe you're in a relationship and you're not present. Maybe you got distracted in one way or another and it's put such a strain on the relationship. Like we, we all know how it feels to suffer as a result of distraction. We know how it feels to make a wrong turn. We know how it feels to, uh, to be distracted that we lose track of time. Isn't that so crazy? Now, we can deal with that once in a while, but when you blink and your kids grow up and you're like, where did this go? Listen, if that's you today and you feel like, man, you just lost so much time, can I just tell you that God is able to redeem the time that the enemy has stolen or your distraction has robbed you from. So don't, don't let the enemy, you know, heap that, that guilt upon you. Just rather return and, and allow God to restore. And so, so, so I think our love, our love for others has suffered as a result of distraction. Like God is calling us to, to love one another. God is calling us to serve one another. But because we've been distracted, it's not quite working out that way. Come on, how about our purity singles? How many guys, how many of us have, have been distracted? We got, you know, you know, we're just, I don't know what happened. Right? We had Luther Vandross on with <laughs> some sparkling cider in the it's 11 o'clock at night. What happened? Distracted. Distracted. 
And, and, and so, so for us, we, we have all suffered at the hands of distraction. And as we look back in the Old Testament, we're, we're in good company because so did the people of Israel. And, and we go back to the prophet Haggai. Uh, or Haggai, however you want to pronounce it. He doesn't get a lot of love. He's one of the Old Testament minor prophets that some of you guys are like, who's Haggai? If this is your first time to church, let, let me just break this down to you. And we're so grateful that you're here. Haggai is, is, is a minor prophet. He's a prophet in the Old Testament. I know he has a weird name, but he has a very powerful message. And, and you find him, and, and he doesn't get a lot of love. Like, you don't hear a lot of people saying, hey, what'd you do today? I read the book of Haggai, Right? But, but I think we should because there's a message found there that I think we all need to, to lean into in regard to distraction. You, you see, Haggai was in a time where the people of Israel, uh, they had been taken captive by the Babylonians uh, under the reign of, of King Nebuchadnezzar. And the Babylonians then got overthrown uh, by the Persians, and there was a, a guy in charge by the name of King Cyrus. Well, the Israelites were slaves, and under the reign of King Cyrus, he releases them to go back to their homeland to rebuild the temple that their worship might be restored. Like, this is a huge moment. I know I'm just giving you like a lot of years of history combined in one, but this is a huge moment for the people of Israel. Like, like imagine like we were slaves and, and now we're free and we're free to come back. We haven't been able to worship in the temple of God for I think it was like 70 years, right? Just this long period of time and almost a generation has passed away and, and we're released to go back and to rebuild. And so in 536 BC, the foundation of the temple is laid and everybody is juiced. Everybody's super joyful. They're excited. They're pumped up. They're like, yeah, man, we worship. Is it man? We get to worship again. It's like coming back after COVID, right? You're like, oh man. And, uh, and so, so they're, they're super excited, but that joy doesn't last very long because that echo of joy starts to get the attention of their enemies. And then opposition comes. How many of you guys know opposition is a great distraction? Opposition kind of comes, and then all of a sudden, I think, not only opposition, but they're a little bit discouraged. They're discouraged because, man, how in the world are we going to build this thing like Solomon did? Like Solomon built the temple. It was grand. It was beautiful. It was the best. It was, we've got a little foundation here. And so what happened is they stopped building. They got distracted. And so, so the temple lied unfinished. From 536 B.C. all the way to 520. I know, like, it goes backwards. Like, if you look in the, you're like, 520, do the math. So when you start in, like, B.C., it, it works its way down. It's a complicated system, but you, you can track with me. And, and so, so it, it, the, 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 the temple lied in ruins, and it's still unfinished. It's still unbuilt. They were, they were joyful, but then they got distracted. They got discouraged. It's unfinished. And Haggai says, hey, guys, it's time to get back to work. But you know what they said? They said, no, 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 no. It's not a good time. The people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Come on, anybody ever say that? Like, it's not time. It's not a good time. You guys, uh, anybody see Top Gun? I'm going to date myself. Anybody ever seen the movie Top Gun? If not, there's a couple of scenes in there. You might want to be careful of your kids. But, but there's a moment where he, he, uh, he's, he's kind of this fighter pilot that just is a little bit rogue and there's a moment in the movie where his, his, you know, tenacity ends up killing his friend because they get in this thing called a flat spin. He's like, goose, I can't control it. I can't control the goose, right? And they get into a flat spin, and his friend dies. And so then he gets back up in the air, and he's shook. And every time they're like, engage, engage. He's like, not a good time. It's not good. It's not a good time, right? And, and the people, they're shook. They're, they're, they're so distracted. They're saying, man, it, it's, it's not a good time to rebuild the house of the Lord. And it's like, well, what do you mean? 
Like, you know how sometimes there's just things that it's really plain that it's God's will for our life, but we still want to pray about it? Like, God has clearly spoken this, but we're like, oh, I need to pray about it. It's not a good time. Time's not here. Well, well, God has clearly spoken. I mean, the king of Persia lets you go to come back to worship. Like, he not only let you go, he gave you money to rebuild the temple. He gave you materials. Like, come on, God is speaking. Not only did God speak through the prophets that this would happen, so they had some confidence in the word of God there, but the Lord also protected the exiles as they took the temple treasure from Babylon to Judah. That's a lot of money. That's a long travel. And God says, I got you because this is my will. That you would move from a place of distraction to a place, again, of devotion. And so, so, so they have all of these signs, but they stopped building. And really what it was a sign of was they no longer believed the word of the Lord or God's power to perform what he said. And so they said it's not a good time, and Haggai's like, man, I totally disagree. So then the word of the Lord came through Haggai, the prophet, saying, well, is it a time for you to live in your paneled houses while the house of the Lord lies in ruins? You guys got to understand, man, in this ancient culture, paneled houses is where kings lived in paneled houses. So like, we don't have time to build God's house, but we got time to build our house. And so, so really what's happening in this moment is they started to evade truth. All of a sudden, their priorities started to get skewed. It started with distraction, but then it transitioned to idolatry. It it transitioned from worshiping God to worshiping something else. And and so so we see what's happening is now their worship is misplaced. They're, they're, They're more about their desires than God's, and even though God's desires is for their best, they're confused. A lot of times, that's what happens when we start to worship things outside of God. It's confusing because... We feel like it's the best thing, but it's really not the best thing for us. And God says this thing, and we don't think it's the best thing, but it's really the best thing for us. Like, God is for your joy. God is for my joy. Like, anybody that's told you different, they're lying to you. Like, God is for our joy. But, but they got distracted, and distraction led to idolatry. Now, idolatry, I know it's a big word. It's kind of a churchy word. And you're like, idolatry? Like, I don't worship idols. You picture maybe little statues or what? And I get it, like, we, we don't worship statues, uh, and if you do, we're grateful that you're here, and I believe God is going to speak to you today. Uh, but, but we do have this one little statue, and, uh, and I, I don't know if, if you're like me, but we can get a little bit distracted. Do you know that, do you know that, that the, the heavy user of our phones, and if you've got a flip phone still, we are praying for you, we're interceding for you, there is grace, and there is room for you at the cross. But for heavy users, you know, we touch this thing 5,427 times a day. That's a lot of touches. Right? And for, for you light users, like, I, am, I, am, I do not touch my phone that much. Okay, well, you're the average user is about 2,617 times a day. Let me, just, let me just break this down. That means that you're touching your phone at least a couple million times a year. But we don't have any problem. And listen, I love technology. I, man, I'm so grateful for the iPhone. Guess what? When the new one comes out, I'm probably going to get it. But where's our time, our talent, and our treasure invested? I mean, mean, when you you really think about it, it's so easy to not think we have an issue. And it's so easy to be distracted and find ourselves with an issue. Are you tracking with me? And so these guys, they don't see it yet, but Haggai said this, consider carefully your ways. 
So, okay, okay, it's not a good time. All right, well, let's consider your ways. Right? You planted, but you've harvested very little. You eat, but it's never enough. You drink, but you never have your feel. Uh, you put on clothes, but you never get warm. You earn wages to put in a bag that has a hole in it. Anybody ever heard that? Like, you got a pocket with a hole in it? Like, it just kind of, like, where's my money going, <laughs> right? Oh, you're spending it. And, uh, and, and so, so you see this reality that Haggai's saying, hey, how's it working out? Like, why don't you just take a stop for a moment and evaluate how the model's working for you? But I think idolatry, it's hard to consider, uh, considering this, is that Psalms 135 says, the idols of the nations are silver and gold and made by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes, they cannot see. And they have ears, but they cannot hear. Nor is there breath in their mouths. And then he says this. He says, those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. Like, when you misplace your worship, life gets very confusing. Right, because, because you're trusting in things that, that, that promise but can't deliver. You're trusting in things that cannot see, that cannot speak, that cannot hear, that have no breath, no life, promise satisfaction, and we find moments of temporary happiness with them, but the end result, they can't deliver. And what it does is it's confusing because we end up becoming just like that. We stop being able to hear clearly, see clearly. There's no breath, there's no life, there's no motivation, there's, there's no, no inspiration. Right, and then, and then when, we, when things come out of our mouth, a lot of times we really got nothing to say. Because our lives are wrapped into to things that, that just have no substance. So if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Is that distracted from God leads to confusion in life. And, and there's a lot of confusion in the world right now. I mean, does anybody ever, listen, have you had a moment over the last few months where you're just like, what in the world? How many of you guys have ever said that? What in the world is going on? I, what, what are, what's going on? Like, we, we ate at a restaurant on Friday, and now, again, uh, Friday night came out that restaurant's in Alameda County. Boom, they're closed. And, and it's just saying, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it's, it's so, whoa. Paul said in the last days, he said this. He said that people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, mockers of God, having a form of godliness, yet denying the power. So, so listen, we're living in a time where it, it's, I'm not saying Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but we're living in some days that are, it's a little confusing. Wrong has become right. Right has become wrong. And can I just tell you, in that space, it opens our lives up to the enemy. Romans, Paul says it like this, is that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And so idolatry or misplaced worship, when we start to worship created things rather than the creator, it causes confusion. And where there's confusion, there's no order. And where there's no order, can I just tell you, comes fear. If the enemy can get you in a posture of fear, you're distracted. Because all of a sudden your eyes are on everything that isn't, a lot of which will not come to pass, but it's a distrust and faith in God's ability and his sovereignty to sustain you, even in the most difficult hour. And a lot of times fear with trans- transitions to frustration. Anybody ever been frustrated? How many of you guys have been frustrated recently? Listen, can I just tell you, never make a decision when you're frustrated. Because it'll probably be the wrong one. And then what happens is we're frustrated, we start making foolish decisions, then we end up feeling this sense of defeat. And when we find ourselves in, this, in this, this sense of defeat, all of a sudden, what do we experience? We experience darkness. And it's in that spot that the enemy's like, yes, 
distracted in darkness. And so I, I love what Martin Luther said. He, he said it this way. He said, uh, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. God said, you shall not have any other gods before me. And Martin Luther says, listen, if we keep the first, we'll obey the rest. But if we have broken one of the other ones, it's because we've broken the first. It's like if we could just keep this reality that, listen, certain things were just not meant to be worshipped. Two Jewish philosophers said it this way. They said, idolatry is not a simple form of ritual worship, but a whole sensibility and pattern of life based on finite values and making created things into godlike absolutes. Making created things into godlike absolutes. So, so what does that look like practically? Well, as we see some, some categories of, of, of idols, like, like they, they can be religious, like where well, there's a, a, a broken theology of God, there's a broken understanding of God that we hold very dear or sacred. It could be addictions. Like addictions, they, they promise fulfillment, intimacy, and acceptance, but then they can never fulfill. Right? It's like it's the worst. I, I mean, and, and we see this happen. I, we've been dealing, especially with, with COVID, so many people, both men and women, addicted to pornography. And just that kind of rising. Because it promises intimacy, it promises acceptance, but it can't deliver. And it's a vicious dragon. It's a vicious cycle. Uh, cultural, right? We, we have this, this aspect of individualism that I'm willing to step on anybody and forfeit any community that I might win. Right, right? It's kind of like my happiness over community. Uh, we, we have a, approval where I, I need to be accepted by you fill in the blank in order to feel valued, in order to, order to feel loved. What, what about this one? What about control? Oh, th this one can sound really godly. This one can sound really godly. Like, I need to have mastery over this area of my life to feel like I'm worth something. And it's like, and you just devote so much time, effort, money just spent thinking about how do I gain that, right? And, and so we have all these different things that, that we can build on a faulty Foundation, racism and nationalism can be an idol. We have uh, uh, philosophical where, where we, we rationalize God out of the equation. We try to rationalize sin out of the conversation because we don't want to really deal with our life. But all of that leads to a faulty foundation. I, I love what Tim Keller said. He says, you want to know how to find out if you have an idol or what your idol is? He says, what if right now if you lost it would utterly devastate you? Like, think about it. If, if I lost my wife and my kids, that would crush me, and that would hurt. I'm not talking about that aspect. We're all human. We would grieve and stuff, but I'm talking, about, I'm talking about when the stock market crashes and people are committing suicide left and right. Like, if I lose this, I've lost everything. And maybe you won't nail it on the head, but maybe if you ask yourself that question, maybe God will reveal some things where we've misplaced our worship. And, and here's the tragic part. Here's the tragic part is that, listen, is that idols want more from you while Jesus wants more for you. Like, like idols, they just want to take from you. Give me more. It's never enough. It's never going to satisfy. And Jesus is like, man, I, I want to give you life. They want something from you. I want something for you. And it's the difference between being a slave and being free. Because think about this. If, if you worship money, then you really can't enjoy it because you're a slave to it. Like, how can you enjoy something that you're a slave to? You can't. And, but you desperately need it. 
but you can never enjoy it and it's never enough. But in Christ, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. In Christ, we are free to enjoy all of the created things for what they were meant to be. Created things meant for our enjoyment, meant for you know, us to, uh, to, to be grateful to God for, but never meant to be worshipped. See, if you notice some of the idols, the idol doesn't mean it's something bad. You can take a good thing and make it a God thing, make it an, an absolute. I'm just telling you, family, family, Man, family was created to worship, but they were never meant to be worshipped. I mean, just things that are great things that can become idols in our life. Are you, are you guys with me? Did I lose you? Are we still here? And so, so Jesus says this. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. So listen, idols say, come to me and give me more. Jesus says, come to me, and I want to give you rest. I want you to have rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you. Like, if you're religiously exhausted, if you've been putting your worship in a false system, if you've been giving your worship to to something that's not real, he says, come to me, let me teach you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Jesus says, let me teach you. Will you trust me? Learn from me. Walk with me. Because even in the most chaotic times, there's rest for your soul. He says it even clearer in Matthew chapter seven. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it does not fall because it has its foundation on the rock. Very common passage of scripture. And it goes on to say, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. It's not just about hearing, right? It's about putting into practice like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. It says that if he doesn't put it into practice, he says the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, and the house fell with a great crash. See, with these two builders, they both had the same desire to build. Their houses looked sturdy. But when the storm hit, when testing hit, when it was a time for judgment, only one had a deep foundation. Only one had a foundation that was deep. Can I just say that I think we're losing the ability of depth. Like, like let, let that sink in for a moment. Like, I feel like we're losing the ability for depth in things that matter most, things where it counts. And so we start to sh- settle for shallow, don't we? I mean, think about our relationship with God. Think about our relationship with others. It's so easy to settle for shallow in those areas when they're the most important. Like, anybody uh, familiar with Beachbody On Demand? Beachbody.com. Come on, you've been in COVID. You, you got to know what Beachbody is, right? If you don't, it's a great plan. It's $100 a month, and you get access to all of these like P90X and insanity, all these workouts that you can't wait to get up in the morning and do, right? But one of the things I noticed on Beachbody is they started out like a P90X is my favorite, but it takes you about an hour and 15 minutes to do, right? You do the actual workout, then you have Ab Ripper X, Right, it takes about 15 minutes, and then you have your little stretching and warm-ups, right? But over the years, I've watched Beachbody transition. They transition from an hour and 15 to 45 to, hey, you can get ripped in 30 minutes. T25, 25 minutes. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, corpse, train like the military, 20 minutes. I'm like, 20 minutes? But I tell you what, you look at the before and after pictures, you can see what's really working. Like, like, like on some, you're like, 20 minutes, that's what it gets you, and an hour and 15, that's what it gets you. But are we willing to go the distance? Like we want the depth result, but we don't want to pursue the depth 
in practice and devotion. And, and, and so, so you, you have these two pictures. You have one is building their house on distraction, and the other is building their house on devotion and the results they show. I just, just wonder if we're losing the ability to, to go the distance because everything is a shortcut. And I'm like, can I just encourage you? I'm going to challenge you this week because I believe, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. I believe that the key to distraction from God is devotion to him. And can I just tell you, depth requires devotion, and devotion requires time. It's just there's no way around it. And so if you're sitting here today and you're like, I'm messed up. Like, I'm worshiping idols. Like, some of you guys may feel like that right now. Others of you guys are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't worship any idols. You're still in denial, but it's okay. We love you. And others, others of you, man, you, you're very mindful of this, and you try to guard your heart from this all the time, but I think there's, no matter where we're at, there's, there's this one truth that we can all lean into, that no matter where we're at in our walk with God, there's this one truth that we can all lean into, and it's this reality that we can all return to the Word of God with a greater devotion. We can all return with a greater devotion. Uh, like, <clears throat> let me show you how this works, and, and I want to wrap up. Second Kings chapter 22, there's, there's a king by the name of Josiah. And this king is young. He's, he, he turns king at the age of eight. And by the time he's 26, he's trying to figure stuff out. He's 26 years old, and God is going to use him to reform a nation. 26 years old. Uh, he grew up in a little bit of a confusing time because his dad was evil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. But his mom was a godly woman and raised him in the ways of God. But the temple of God was full of idols his whole life. So it's kind of like weird, like I want to please God, but I'm not really sure like how all this works. Like I have this desire to do the right thing. I have this desire to please God. And so one day he sends the secretary into the temple to, to gather some stuff. And Hilkiah, the high priest, comes up to the secretary and says, hey, man, I found the book of the law. You found the book of the law? The secretary doesn't even know what it is. He's like, cool. He takes it open, reads it, comes back to Josiah, says, hey, found a book. And Josiah said, read it to me. And I want you to notice just one thing is that, like, the book of the law being lost in the temple is like the Bible being lost in church. Like, come on. Like, like, like so cluttered with idols that we don't even know where the Bible is. It's like, like, Satan is cool if you own a Bible. He just wants your life so cluttered with idols so you never pay attention to it. So much so that you can't even recognize the need for it. So much so that you just forget that it's even there. But it's great with this little leather-bound cover, little digital U version, right? Got it on my phone, touching the Bible. That's what I'm doing. I'm touching it 5,060 times a day, right? I'm just touching the Bible. And that, but, 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 but here's the, here's the deal. Is that the enemy would love for you to be distracted by idols. He doesn't care if you, you have the Bible, have access to the Bible. He just doesn't want you to engage it. It's not just the truth that will set you free. It's truth unlocked that, that will set you free. And so, so Josiah, he reads it. He's like, oh, Lord. He opens up the Bible and he's like, we look nothing like this. Like what in the world? And instantly he tears his clothes. He's like, man, the temple is full of idols. This is like, this is not good. And he repents. And that return to the word leads to a restore, a restoration of the nation. And so the enemy just doesn't want you to see uh, this girl. She was duped by her boyfriend who did the mustache challenge. Anybody ever heard of this? So he draws a mustache on her and wakes her up real quick like, girl, we going out to dinner. And so wakes her up. She's like, I want to freshen up. He's like, no, no, you can't look in the mirror. So takes her out. And she's walking around all day. 
Like, hey, and everybody's like, ah. He's like, don't even worry about what they're saying. Oh, they're tripping. Oh. She's like, why is everybody laughing at me, right? What's going on? And then they see some friends, and they're like, what are you doing? She's like, hi, everybody. So good to see you. This is great. And they're like, and, and, and the husband's like, no, 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 just don't say anything. I'm just, oh, my God. Right? And so they don't say anything. So, so finally at dinner, they're getting ready to take a selfie, and she looks, and she's like, What? And I love what she says. She says, man, how long have I been like this? And see, the enemy does not want us to open up the scripture because to open up the scripture is as if, James says, to look into a mirror. And God begins to reveal the heart. Listen, not because he, he wants something from you, but because he wants something for you. Are you guys tracking with me on that? And, and so, so all of a sudden, the enemy wants to distract us because he just doesn't want us to see. But can I tell you, everybody that's tried to wipe out the scripture on the face of the planet has always come up short. Yeah. Like there's a, this philosopher, his, a French philosopher by the name of Voltaire in 1776. He said, from the time of my death, a uh, hundred years after that, the Bible will be remembered no more. Fifty years after he died, his house was used for a printing press of Bibles and tracts. Are you guys tracking with me? Because just like Isaiah said, and just like Peter echoes, is that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so the enemy knows that he cannot wipe out the scripture, but he can distract you from it. If he can distract you, he wins. And so God goes on to say, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods, they've aroused my anger by their idols of their hands that they made. My anger will burn against them in this place and it will not be quenched. Like, this is what happens to Josiah. Josiah tells the high priest, go talk to the Lord for us, man. Let him know, like, man, we're making some changes. And Hilkiah comes back and says, this is what the Lord said. How many of you guys know Josiah's like, all right, God, you take idols seriously. But then look what the Lord does. He relents. He said, but because your heart was responsive, because you heard my word and you responded, you put it into practice. He says, you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and its people that they would become a curse and laid waste and be, because you tore your robes and you wept in my presence. I have also heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace and your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place because distraction will always end in dis disaster. But if we return, it will always lead in a moment of restore. Last thought. Not only want you to return to the word, but wrestle with the word. I'm going to take you one back. I know I'm diving into a lot today, but I need you guys just to roll with me just for one more minute. There was a man by the name of Jacob, Old Testament. We're just in the Old Testament today. And Jacob's whole life, he wrestled for blessing. Even with his brother, even, into, to, even in their mother's womb, he just wrestled. When they came out, he wrestled with Esau, his brother Esau, for his father's approval. I need the blessing of my father. I want to take on the leadership legacy for this home that the, the rights normally go to the firstborn, but they wrestled. And then Jacob wrestled with his father-in-law, Laban, for his wife, Rachel. And, and J Jacob was just wrestling his whole life, wrestling for blessing. And so, so, so finally, it all comes to this climax of an event where Esau, is, many years have passed, and he's coming back to meet Jacob. And Jacob's like, this dude's going to kill me. So he, he does what we all do. He, Lord, God, he prays. 
And then, then he says, man, let's get some gifts. Let's send him a lot of stuff. And then he goes from there and he says, let's divide everything. Let's divide my household, my company, everything, because if he attacks half, then maybe half can escape and I'll still have something. Just striving for the blessing. And then, then it says that that night, after all that wrestling again, he sat down in the dark. And it says as he sat down in the dark by himself that a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So he's wrestling with this man. And, and all of a sudden, he, he's deformed as a result of it. He, his hip has popped out, and, and he wasn't able to. Uh, it says that his hip was wretched as he wrestled. And, and the man said, let me go for it is almost daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Because in the middle of this wrestling match, he realized that he was wrestling with God. He was wrestling with the very word of life. And everybody knows that if the sun came up and he saw God, no man can see God in the face and live. So it was for his own protection that the man was saying, let me go. And Jacob's like, man, I've been wrestling my whole life. And I thought it was in the blessing of my father. I thought it was in the blessing of this relationship. I thought it was in the blessing of this inheritance. But really, I just needed your blessing. I needed you. And so he said, listen, he said, don't, I mean, the, the practical thing would have said, let me go. I don't want to die. But he said, listen, if letting go of you means dying apart from your blessing, I don't want to live. Whatever you do, I am not letting go until you bless me. Can I just tell you that if we had that tenacity right now, can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what we strive after, no matter what you're wrestling for, at the end of the day, what we all need is the blessing of God. And see, the beauty of the gospel that we find in Christ, the beauty of the gospel is this, is that, 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 that like Jacob, as, as, as God bless him, scripture is very clear that blessing always comes through a verbal expression. And so God spoke something into Jacob that day. He gave him a new name. And can I just say that God wants to speak something into that area of void in your life today and that area of distraction, that it might return to a place of devotion, that you might experience the blessing of God on your life, even in the midst of hell breaking loose, even in the midst of chaos. Listen, in the gospel like Jacob, as we start to wrestle around God's word, as you open up the Bible, can I just tell you, man, God's gonna stick you a few times. And it's gonna hurt. Like some of the stuff you're gonna read in the scripture, you're like, oh, it's just gonna nail you. Like God is going to press on areas that you want to evade. But I tell you, Jacob, listen, we see all throughout Scripture, a lot of times like Jacob, we have to wrestle through in life in a lot of different ways so we come to this vivid reality that God is all that we need, that ultimately he is all that we need. And that's why there are so many men and women of God that walk with the limp today. And when you wrestle with the word and you let God touch certain spots, you may be lame in one but emboldened on the other. You may be humbled in one moment, but so confident because you're infinitely loved. The grace of God on your life that you don't deserve transcends anything, any idol you can pursue. So let me, let me say this in, in, in wrapping up. I, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to return to the word of God and wrestle with it. I can say, hey, try five minutes a day. Let, let's, let's, let's up the ante a little bit. Let's P90 exit. Because death requires devotion. Devotion requires time. I'm not saying that God can't do things in brevity. God can. 
But I, I know if any of our relationships just, we just always gave brevity, they wouldn't be very deep. And so, so time, so can, can I encourage you, man, to man, take 40 minutes, take an hour of your day and wrestle with the word. Grab a hold of God and say, Lord, I'm not letting go for this hour until you bless me. I'm not letting go because I need you. And life today, apart from that reality, is not even worth, worth living. And, and then just don't take that hour, but, 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 but we just don't want a, a devotional life. We want a life of devotion, and we want to help teach you that over the next several weeks. So we're going to encourage you, stay tuned. We're going to make sure that we, we give you some resources for that. But I'm, gonna just, uh, I'm just going to challenge you to return to the Word that we might see restoration in our lives, uh, in our church in our city, in our nation, and in the globe. Happened in Josiah's day. 26-year-old returned to the word. Just imagine what it could be if we took that same approach. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you so much for our time together. Listen, if, if you're here today and maybe you're like, I've been worshiping idols, and you need to surrender your life to Jesus, whether you're online, you're tuning in, we're so grateful that, that you're, you're with us this morning. And if you say, man, I need to renounce these idols and surrender my life to Jesus. Listen, I'm going to pray a commitment prayer with you right now, right where you're at. And I, I want you to do something. If, if that's you online, you're going to see a little thing pop up that says, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Just go ahead and click that so we, we can follow up with you. We just don't want you to pray a commitment prayer and then lose you. We want to resource you. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you're sitting in this room right now, uh, you can mark that on the Connect card. As soon as we pray, just grab, you're going to grab that Connect card. You're going to mark that little box. I'm rededicating my life. I'm giving my life to Jesus so we can follow up with you. But if that's you and you need to surrender, don't hesitate. Just pray this with me right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I renounce my idols. I'm turning from my way. I'm turning to you. I don't want to live distracted. I've considered my ways. It's not working. Moments of satisfaction. But so much emptiness. I turn to you today. I confess my sin to you. I ask that you forgive me. I want this rest you're talking about. I surrender. Thank you for dying on the cross. Rising from the dead. You're alive. And your word is alive so I can trust you and rest assured that you're a God of your word. I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord. Give me a heart and a hunger for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a big hand and all of those that made a decision today?